2: This is The Hash Podcast.
1: Stay
0: informed with the latest on Bitcoin, ETH, the metaverse, Web3, and more with stories that matter to the crypto world, all on The Hash for your ears. You're listening to The Coindesk Podcast Network.
1: Hey there, hello and welcome to The Hash here on Coindesk TV. Everyone's got the shimmy. It's a Tuesday. We got news and more to get to and leading us off today is Wendy O. Wendy, take it away.
0: Okay, you guys, we've got a really crazy story, but I have a good lesson to teach you afterward. But before we do that, guess what today is?
2: Can you all get it's Taco
1: Tuesdays on the hash? Oh my god! Oh, that's <laughs> Zach, is that your voice at the end? You no, that's taco? Joe. That's Joe. Yeah. He's, he's <laughs> the he's the he's the guru. It's, it's control. It's Joe in control. He is the guru of the various segment wipes. So he's bringing the heat with Taco Tuesday. Thanks, guys.
0: Well, at least now we can like seriously position ourselves for like Taco Bell or Del Taco or someone to sponsor us. <laughs> but anyways, Chipotle. we got to get to the story. Girl, don't talk to me about Chipotle, please.
2: I'm just saying <laughs> they're like in the metaverse. They're all in on Web3. They? They're like the perfect sponsor for us.
1: Freebirds, right, where you get? get okay, California
2: staples. I guess, I guess <laughs> we have to follow the money.
0: <laughs> Let's get into the story, okay? Because I could go off about this all day. So apparently, you guys, something very tragic happened, but Nomad's $190 million bridge exploit drew hacking feeding frenzy of approximately 300 addresses. And that's a lot of money to be drained, especially in the type of market that we're seeing. So basically, it is a cross-chain token bridge, and it was drained of almost all of its funds. And it was basically due to one of Nomad's smart contract recent updates that allowed spoofs so users can drain funds that didn't belong to them. And of course, the team informed law enforcement. So the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because considering the type of market they're in, I feel like we need to question everything. There's going to be a lot of projects who have exploits, a lot of projects that get hacked, a lot of projects that are going to be dumping their tokens, exit liquidity, etc. So I wanted to talk about it to kind of just remind everybody, consider taking profit on stuff that you maybe haven't taken profit on. Be careful what type of protocols you're using. Be weary anytime they're upgrading, they're doing something, they're changing the tokenomics, possibly changing the code. And sometimes you may have to consider cutting your losses because again, you guys, we are in a crypto bear market. Let me go ahead and toss this to Jen for your thoughts.
2: All right, I will take it. So cross-chain bridges are really interesting, right? They are important for interoperability, but they're really vulnerable. And we saw in January, I think it was, Ethereum founder Vitalik Buterin, speak out on them. Like he is not for a cross-chain future, but he's for a multi-chain future. And I'm just going to read his tweet because he does a pretty good job at explaining what's explained in the story. So he said, now imagine what happens if you move 100 ETH onto a bridge on Solana to get 100 Solana-wrapped ETH, and then Ethereum gets 51% attacked. The attacker deposited a bunch of their own ETH into Solana-wrapped ETH, and then reverted that transaction on the ethereum side as soon as the solana side confirmed it the solana wrapped ETH contract well this is long but stick with me guys is now no longer fully backed and perhaps your 100 solana Wrapped ETH is now only worth 60. even if there's a perfect ZK snark based bridge that fully validates consensus is still vulnerable to theft through attacks like this the problem gets worse when you go beyond two chains if there are 100 chains then there will end up being dApps with many interdependencies between those chains and 51% attacking even one chain would create a systemic contagion. So he went off in January on Twitter talking about this because we see these cross chain bridge attacks so often. I think during this biddle season, we will see startups pop up that are trying to solve the issues around cross chain bridges. But right now, I think it's just inevitable that they are Vulnerable given the way that they interact with smart contracts. Zach, take it away.
1: Yeah, I think people are going to start really reassessing approaches to interchain interoperability because the cross chain bridge model just keeps crumbling, right? It's not really a bridge, right? It's not really an appropriate metaphor, right? It's a bridge, but the funds are like stuck on the bridge and it's like a rickety bridge. And if a hacker comes along and chops down like one of the poles holding up the bridge, they get all the funds, right? So that is like a design flaw in terms of how you get money from one chain to the other to seize on new opportunities. So I think that builders in the space are becoming increasingly cognizant of this, and there are gonna be new approaches to interoperability that are more secure. When you do these cross-chain bridge things, it just adds all these layers of complexity. And what we saw here was an update that just laid bare the steal me button. And like 300 people saw the steal me button, and they're like, okay, I'm gonna steal me some crypto. And that's what happened here. It wasn't just one attacker. It was like a feeding frenzy. It was like sharks just rushing on like chum in the ocean and taking all of this money. And that is what happens. That's why you see that sad chart with the sad bears pointing at the cliff of money falling off all the way to zero, roughly $200 million out the door. According to some reporting, some of the folks taking the money were white hat hackers who are expected to return some of the funds. But it was a bit of a group attack here on the Nomad Project. Really crazy one to see, but yeah, never a dull day in crypto. I think I'm going to toss it back to Wendy for her thoughts.
0: One of the things I want to say is I'm just curious, like when they do these types of updates, like I'm just, my mind is just trying to process, like are they, is it somebody in the team that's possibly pushing these updates through that make these more vulnerable or they're just unaware of what they're creating? But either way, I think it's very important, especially when we're dealing with bridges, anytime to note that you're adding an additional layer on top of something, it doesn't become as safe. It's not as stable. So just be careful anytime you're interested in like investing in this type of stuff, please place these types of projects or consider placing them in like your risky basket. Like, okay, I'm going to put maybe 0.05% of my portfolio or 1% of my portfolio in here. And just understand when you do put your money into this stuff, it's all in beta. It is literally all in beta. Most of these DeFi projects, cross-chain things, these you know multiple layers that you can add on top of different projects, it's all in beta. So essentially you're putting your money into something and you're hoping that it hits big. But I would probably bet that it's going to either get hacked, exploited, or go to zero.
1: Yeah, I'm just curious to see what the next generation bridge is, right? Because I mean, they're super useful to users, right? Like, hey, Mm -hmm. I got money on Ethereum and I want to put it on Solana. Or like, hey, I want to get into Cosmos. Like, that's a useful function that many people in the space rely on. But we've seen time and time again that they introduce these flaws where things get hacked and money goes away and it's bad and people are sad. So it's going to be really, really interesting to see what that next generation of bridging technology looks like or if there's a new set of solutions out there that avoid some of the pitfalls that we've seen now for the third, fourth, fifth time when it comes to cross-chain bridge exploits. All right, let's talk about some more chain stuff. Magic Eden, which is the titan of Solana NFTs, is expanding to, drumroll please, Ethereum, interesting, adding Ethereum NFTs to the mix over at Magic Eden, which has really made its mark as the leading Solana NFT marketplace out there in Solana land. So this one is notable. Obviously, a lot of teams are building with cross-chain in mind. Mentioned in the article on CoinDesk is that more than two chains are ultimately likely for Magic Eden. Other networks will likely be supported. But it doesn't necessarily always mean that they're going to be a big hit right away on Ethereum, right? We saw OpenSea, which is the titan of Ethereum NFTs, add Solana. And that was met with kind of a tepid response. So it's going to be really interesting to see if these additional chains that these marketplaces add, if it really makes a difference in terms of juicing user activity, trading volumes, and other key metrics as these marketplaces become key pillars of the crypto economy. I'm going to toss this straight to Wendy for her initial thoughts on Magic Eden making the jump to Ethereum.
0: I think it's fantastic. I like to have different options when I'm trading, when I'm trading NFTs, crypto, whatever it is. And I think it's very important to note that there's still a lot of toxicity in crypto. Like we do know that, you know, Bitcoin maximalists are probably the most toxic out of the entire space, especially on Twitter. But you do see folks from Ethereum and folks from Solana kind of battle each other, like which one is the best, you know, which one's going to the moon, et cetera. But I think it's more important to not do that because when you fight about petty stuff, like which chain is better, what network is better, It's kind of taking away from the building and like the actual money-making aspect of it. I think it's a great idea. And I think regardless if you're a Solana fan or an Ethereum fan or Cardano or whatever it is, I think it's important to note that people are going to like different collections from different networks. And I want them to be able to have the option. And I think it was a smart move business-wise for Magic Eden to do this because they seem to be, Ethereum and Solana seem to be the top chains in NFTs currently.
2: Yeah, I think it's important to note that this is a multi-chain project and not a cross-chain one like the last story we were just talking about. I think, you know, OpenSea had the first mover advantage and the Ethereum brand name behind them for so long. They amassed these users. But then we saw all of these issues start to pop up and we've had this conversation on the show before, you know, like who's going to steal that throne from OpenSea? And I think Magic Eden has a good chance. I think it's a little bit different when you start on Solana and then you make Ethereum NFTs available rather than what OpenSea did. They started on Ethereum, made Solana NFTs available. I think they're going after a different audience. A different audience would start on Solana and then become interested in, you know, what's happening on ethereum and so i think it's really interesting i also really like that they have a few tools that are like really easy to use for a newcomer to the space so they have their minting toolkit, their whitelisting tools and marketing support i think if they are able to continue to add features like that we will start to see people kind of venture away from some of the platforms we saw successful during the last bear market and so i like look forward to the NFT marketplace wars. I'm imagining a swipe where we can see like um, two boxing people in a boxing ring, and then we can put like little NFT marketplaces logos on their head as we like follow the NFT marketplace wars. But that's, you know, that's where I'm going to leave my thoughts on that. I've
0: got a quick question. Do they have a token?
2: Yeah, I, I don't, don't think so. I don't know right? about that. I think they did
1: like a DAO like recently. So maybe there is a token doing some okay. of that, but I don't think they're not to my knowledge.
0: But I've got another question too. Did they actually? I forgot my question because I'm thinking about talking to you. <laughs> 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 yeah, I don't think they have a token um, at all. So, okay, I'm just because I'm trying to compare it to Luxrare because I know Luxrare's got their token. But
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, look for. I, I think that is the question for these big NFT marketplaces that are commanding really huge valuations. When do we get the Uniswap of NFTs, right? And we saw a little bit of movement around that with Uniswap <laughs> acquiring Genie, which was an NFT sort of aggregator. But I think as it relates to OpenSea and Magic Eden, there has yet to be the decentralized exchange equivalent that has come along to eat some of these big companies' lunches, right? These are companies that are valued in the multiple billions. Magic Eden is obviously growing to be more than just a Solana powerhouse. And it's going to be interesting to see if it's Looks Rare or if it's some other decentralized exchange alternative to these sort of traditional NFT exchanges. It's going to be interesting to see if they can establish a foothold. I think LooksRare had some early promise, definitely saw a lot of activity, some of which was wash trading to generate some token rewards. But for now, these big sort of centralized marketplaces have kind of replicated the Coinbase model where they sort of have really taken the lead and run with it. They're adding services and trying to make their products the best possible to the market, especially as new people enter the market largely through NFTs. So it's going to be interesting to see if there's a decentralized exchange that unseats some of these giants or if they can retain their leads. But I'll toss it to Jen for her thoughts on that.
2: You know, a lot of founders come out with these really bullish statements when they announce news like this. And I want to point to Magic Eden co-founder's statement because I thought they approached it with a little bit of humility. And it was kind of nice to hear. He said, we don't think winning on ETH will happen overnight. We're entering the market with humility and are prepared to build for a long while. With that being said, we have a strong conviction for our thesis, what NFT creators and collectors need from their marketplace. I think that's great. I think they're saying, you know, we're listening to what people want. We're looking to build more features, and we don't think we're going to take over some of our competitors overnight. But we're listening, and I really liked that statement.
1: That's so nice. We don't need to war. We don't need to so have nice. fights. We don't need a little boxing guy and <laughs> match. The boxing match here. To, like
2: that was so nice. We're just here, we're just a doing whole this. range of emotions. What it's an it? emotional day.
0: I feel like very emotional.
2: <laughs> it's just I'm just kind of all over the place. All right, let's move on to DAOs. It's DAO time. Earth Fund, a crypto crowdfunding company that creates decentralized philanthropic communities, has partnered with DAO tooling startup CoinShift to manage its ecosystem of treasuries. So, Wendy, I'm going to pass this off to you. Earth Fund is kind of like a one stop shop for nonprofit charities to come to to set a DAO up and to set their own token up so that they can take donations. And now it looks like they're getting a solution for treasury management. I know that you are all for philanthropic, NFT and DAO projects. So what did you think while you're reading the story?
0: So I think that this is great. I like to see people in the space create different options for charities and nonprofits, because let's face it, cryptocurrency is an absolute great solution for this. I was actually able to set up through endowment. They went ahead and set up the self-care lab, the boxing gym I support. We use boxing as a form for mental health, for inner city kids, people like myself, whatever whatever it is. Um, But we're able to set them up with endowment. basically what endowment did, it kind of set them up with cryptocurrency addresses so that you can go ahead and donate. And then endowment would then in turn flip that cryptocurrency into fiat and deposit it into the nonprofits account. But I absolutely love this type of building. I think it's important. The only thing that I do get a little bit concerned about with DAOs, is how it's going to execute on behalf of the nonprofit or the charity. Like what happens if somebody comes in that doesn't like what the charity or nonprofit stands for, you know, because there's, let's face it, there are some nonprofits that do provide services for some groups of people that are very sensitive. So what happens if somebody comes in is like, oh, we don't like this. We don't want you to do this. They buy a large share of those tokens and they make really nasty and bad decisions that could negatively impact the organization. So that would be my only concern when we're talking about utilizing DAOs for nonprofits and charities is just those types of predatory actions. But overall, I'm hoping that they will flourish and they'll find some sort of solution for that.
2: I think, Wendy, that's a great point you bring up. And I think if we look at a lot of DAOs now, you'll see that the nonprofit or the people who are in control or founding members actually have the majority of the tokens. And I think if you were to go in and look at who's voting on a lot of these proposals, you would see that it's a handful of people who are making decisions. And that's another problem, I think, that a lot of builders are trying to solve right now. But Zach, what did you think?
1: I made it this far in my life to not really get what Deepak Chopra is about. Unfortunately, I had to do a little Googling. The only part about Deepak Chopra that I really like is how he's in that line in a Kanye song called Hold My Liquor. That's a really good line. You should check it out. If you have it, you don't know the line, give it a look. I do but wait, like Zach, the you idea. You have to explain what? why
2: you're bringing up Deepak Chopra. We haven't said it yet.
1: Because he's involved in this thing, right? Deepak is like involved in doing this thing, right? Is that, is that, is that right? Is that he, it? he
2: has one of his projects use this platform. So he's one of yeah. the few projects on the platform. Go ahead.
1: So I think that's cool. And I think, I think it's gonna be really cool when DAOs become really small organizations. Like I really want my fantasy baseball league to be a DAO, right? Because I think there's more effective ways to express Opinions and voting through DAOs, right? Okay, hey, I'm going to vote my tokens. I have some economic stake here. And I'm going to say, yeah, no, we should up the move limit so that we can add more free agents and not less. I think when there's enough DAO tooling in the world for very small groups, group chats, fantasy baseball leagues, neighborhood associations, maybe you're on the nonprofit that runs the neighborhood playground, right? Keeps maintenance of that and stuff like that. When DAOs reach that level, I think it's gonna be really interesting. We're way, way, way far away from that. We're not really at the real world application of DAOs such as that, but I think there really are potentially some great tools for organizing small groups of people in a more efficient and effective manner when it comes to governing a shared set of resources, whether that's an NFT investment fund, a playground, or your fantasy football league. I think there's a lot of really cool applications that could be explored there. We're not there yet, but it's interesting to see that maybe we're getting there and maybe one day that will just be the norm. But hey. Else? Wendy.
0: Really quickly, I think a potential solution to the DAO dilemma would be to have the board members or the founding members of that particular charity or nonprofit have like the final say. And then everybody else that wants to participate in the DAO kind of vote and the board members can like, okay, well, there's 500 million votes from this particular person that doesn't want us to continue to go. This is probably a bad entity or bad person. So they make, maybe can discount. But at the end of the day, It's still decentralized, but not totally decentralized. But I feel like DAOs still need some sort of oversight, especially when we're talking about nonprofits and
1: charities. Yeah, I mean, it's just like human organizational problems, right? Like small groups of people usually step up to run organizations big and small. And I think there's ways to maybe make that process more transparent. Can they be gamed? Can those systems and organizations be gamed in ways that they've been gamed over time? Of course. And I think DAOs may not necessarily solve that. But at least they'll lay some of that a bit more transparent, and I think that could be interesting for smaller organizations going forward. But hey, you know what day it is? It's Taco Tuesday. We Taco gotta sh- we gotta Tuesday. shut it down. We gotta shut it down. We gotta get to tacos. Can we see the wipe one more time? Control. It's Taco Tuesdays on the
2: head. Oh my. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness. my goodness. oh my
1: goodness, a chomp.
2: I just imagine Joe's job to be the best job ever. He's just making crunch noises in the studio. He's like, oh, that's good, like best job ever.
0: (laughs) And then he also has to order tacos and expense it to the company so that he can get some like creative drive to do this. Like that's a pretty Mm -hmm. great job. He's got to make that crunch noise
2: with real tacos.
1: We also support non-hard shell taco options in case there's any mm-hmm. interested sponsors for Taco Tuesday, just FYI. Shout we out. don't discriminate. Right. That's it for the day here on The Hash. I'm Zach. That's Wendy. That's Jen. We'll be back tomorrow to get you up to speed on the latest in crypto news, helping you know what's what so you can navigate this crazy world of Web3. That's what we do here on The Hash. It's good times. Check us out on the podcast network if you're not already, and we will talk to you tomorrow.